0: What is up? Today we have an awesome episode with Jack Carpenter, who is a Spartan Pro, OCR, and triathlete coach, and a facility owner based out of Suffolk, England. Inner National. He has a ton of enthusiasm and energy for the sport and endurance in general, and he drops some awesome gems. And we touched on a few things that really have never come up on uh, the show in the past, including things like best practices for hitting the spear throw, some mental games from memory and how they can affect your performance and the real reason why you need accountability in your training. So I really enjoyed this conversation and not even not even just saying that. I, I enjoy all the conversations, but this one I thoroughly enjoyed. So please drop us a rating and review and subscribe to get all the goods from the Reinforced Running Podcast. And now that you have done that, I thank you. And here is Jack Carpenter. Jack Carpenter is here. This is take two. We we started, and like ten seconds in, we we had we had uh had to kind of call an audible, but we're back in business. How are you feeling typical,
1: about it? typical English Wi-Fi? I think <laughs> is that a thing? Is it, wor- is it worse? Who knows? I mean, they always promise like these really good Wi-Fi signals in each city, but I'm out in like a village or a town here, so I'm not in a major city. So yeah, it's hit and miss. I mean. We for all our podcasts, I tend to hardwire my laptop in, uh, just purely because I, I go in old school, you know, it's not quite that e- 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 noisy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm old school, so but it, it yeah, I don't trust the Wi Fi.
0: <laughs> I think that's the way to go is to plug in. I don't even have one of the like the plugs on my computer, yeah. I'm like looking yeah, at it now, but, uh, yeah. gotta like, buy, yeah, buy an adapter <laughs> to plug into the internet. But we're plugged in, we're back in business, dude. I'm, I'm real excited you came on, we made this work, and um, I'm really dying to dive into some training stuff but but first a couple of random questions that i must know are you ready for it all right yeah. so if you were to hang out with any cartoon character who <laughs> would it be and why
1: it have to be like roadrunner surely i don't know do you have roadrunner <laughs> um like wiley yeah, coyote and yeah yeah 100 percent, yeah just purely because he's so quick
0: <laughs> that way would...
1: <laughs>
0: well you just tra- would you train with them? would you be like, yeah, you, just show him. me how There's sure i don't
1: think he says it. much no but then again you don't really want to tra- you don't want to really talking a lot at um, maximum vo2 do you really let's be fair you want to be you just want to be pushing concentrating on the game he's
0: focused he's like i'll we'll, we'll small talk later right now we're out here training
1: beep, beep that's a good one
0: (laughs) um cool so aside from running a race like what is the first thing you are going to do like post quarantine
1: we said this the other day so i own a training facility and i've got quite a few members that we physically haven't seen each other we've done a lot of zoom calling and and sort of online training um i think it's generally a massive party but we might do like a a workout party so Mm. like forget the workout side of things more. It's just a case of getting together, massive hug, wax and fire on, you know, probably have a barbecue and just enjoy socializing, talking to someone, you know, face-to-face. Um, I kind of miss that, to be fair. I thought I was pretty good on my own, but I'm missing it.
0: Right, until you're fine by yourself, until you're told you, you have to be by yourself. Well, how do you think that's going to roll out on, on you guys? Do you think it's just all of a sudden it's going to be, all
1: right, you're back, or you think it's going to be like small... So it's really a bit, a bit strange because, I mean, um, here in England, we're, we're a bit late to the party for the, for shutting down and sorting things out. And we seem to be umming and ahhing. There is talk now that there, there's going to be restrictions lifted, but there's still going to be restrictions. I think this Sunday, so this week coming up, our governments meet to talk policies and what they're going to do i think they're talking now about everyone's going to have to wear a face mask if they go out so that is Mm going to become mandatory which isn't it isn't the case in england at the minute but i think it will be and i think they're letting people start and go back to work as long as you're social distancing so you're still having that space between people um so i think there will be restrictions but i can't see mass participation or i can't see races going ahead until at least september
0: i know i i i I've almost kind of put those out of my mind. It's like, if we race, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to train, but to actually prepare and, and get my hopes up for it. Like, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be something. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how things do kind of progress. Like, all right, now we can have groups of, of 20. Now we can have yeah. groups of 50. Um, Who knows, man. It's even like, it's almost worthless to like speculate on it because,
1: there's just no idea and po- and probably quite dangerous from a training point of view as well like like you say if you get your hopes up too much and then that just gets smashed to bits it's like heartbreak again and and i don't know how many times physically and mm. emotionally we can take that as athletes you know it's hard enough keeping the training up let alone then being told you can't do something again that's that's tough How have you been doing? Have you been grinding or what have you been doing for training? No, I've been been grinding. Um, (laughs) I was was very unfortunate enough last year. um, I suffered my very first ever injury, which was silly self-inflicted. And that really bummed me out last year because I was doing quite well. I was hitting the podiums. I was racing really well. And then that hit me, and it hit me quite hard because, like I said, I'd never been injured before. I didn't really know what to do or what to do. Unfortunately, we had Greece 5 Trifecta World Championships. We had Tahoe and a couple of the season races in England, which I'd all lined up to do and go and smash. And yeah, um, I ended up sort of walking most of those, let's put it that Mm way, Um, not training stupidly racing because I'd paid for the races to get there like Greece and Tahoe. I was not missing Tahoe what right. us put it that way. Um but I mean Greece the beast Greece for me I just practically walked it just to say I'd done it. Um probably a little bit silly. And then um so yeah I just like after that I had Christmas I took a cl- couple of months off so December January took off completely no running. Um worked on my weaknesses if you like. Um and then yeah from February really trained it in hard. Um, got ready for races and then obviously COVID hit. Um, so we actually haven't raced here in England yet. We haven't had our first race. We literally went into base build period and now I'm in a build period. I'm still in a build period. Right. Um, so it's kind of suited me actually. If I think about it now in hindsight, it's, it's amazing because actually it's given me more time to reflect and train and I'm probably fitter now than what I would have been if I'd started to race. So that's pretty good. That's um, a great
0: point. And that's something that, you know, most endurance athletes can benefit from is time. Yeah, it's always to, to help yourself build up and you know having that perspective that you can reflect on and, and make sure you're getting more fit because when you get start getting into races you just start preparing for races and building up and, and tapering down and racing and then recovering and it's hard to really get that big chunk of of, of training in so i'm glad that's i'm glad it's working out for you
1: yeah no definitely yeah um i need i needed the time for sure and i needed to prove to myself that because it was an ankle injury basically um i put a new salmon ladder up at my training facility, oh nice! And I, was, <laughs> I was coaching some people, and I just so nonchalantly, I just sort of dropped off the salmon ladder, like I had been doing all the time. And what I didn't realise is I hadn't pulled the mat fully under, so my ankle hit the edge of the mat, and then I land, I rolled my ankle, and it laterally tore grade three tears on my lateral ankle. So basically, I snapped my ankle off its ligaments. Uh,
0: um,
1: uh, and It hurts hurt so bad, blows up, oh. It's
0: probably so swollen.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you know it's And purple. Yeah, turn purple. Couldn't work. Well, like I actually thought I'd broken it. Um, turns out I'd done worse. I'd torn the ligament. So um yeah, just rehab, lots of ice, lots of rehab. I'm fortunate enough to have lots of toys, so like EMS units and balls and all that. So um sort of use my knowledge on that to get that back. Um and I think still can feel it now, to be fair, but I don't I think someone told me the other day like five years, five, six years until it completely goes. So, you know, I don't t- think
0: it's they do take four. Ever And I actually had, I went and saw a movement specialist because I was having like some weird pain, like in my foot and in my hips. And he asked me, he's like, have you had any previous injuries? And I told him like, oh, I sprained my ankles, like playing basketball as a kid. And he said that I it was so damaging mentally that I had stopped moving, like supinating to the outside to get myself the, the proper movement patterns needed, that it was creating competitions elsewhere. So he just kind of taught me how to, like, so now the drills I do, I literally kind of roll my ankles outward just yep. so my body can trust that it's not going to get hurt and it's not going to be broken or messed up still. Um so they lingered. Yeah. So that's something just to keep in mind. Like if when you're coming back, like training that part to help you edge to the outside there. Um but yeah, well I'm glad you're still grinding. Um but on so you have a podcast as well. Shouts to OCR audio. Um and no slight to any of the 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 former guests that you have but who has been your favorite podcast guest on the show. And you guys have done a hundred episodes
1: now? hundred. We hit a hundred Friday. Yeah. Uh, Congrats. And and hundred was crazy. We had a lot of athletes on the call all in one (laughs) guy. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, 16, Um, everyone, everyone from Nicole to Ryan to like all previous guests, you know, it was really good fun. Um, But my best guest I've actually got, well, I've got two and they're not athletes. Well, they are, but they're not Yancey. Mm. is probably the first time we we interviewed yancey i was actually blown away that guy as a coach i actually got off the line and went i want to be like him at that age like the the motivation the, the just the aura he just gives off even on a face to like on a phone call was crazy i mean yeah that guy is is immense and then the other one was a guy called matt mossman who is endure elite who owns endure mm. elite um mainly because of his just science scientific knowledge and, and brain bomb knowledge which which is what I love which is why I set up the podcast initially um to learn because that's what I'm all about and he just brought so much to the call cool, uh that I just sat there and went oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and then I go, went away and you know you google things you youtube things you you do all this type and then you learn and adapt and it improves you as an athlete or as a coach in my case um, so he was definitely someone that just sort of blew me away with knowledge. And that's the first time I realized that doing the podcast wasn't, wasn't just a fun thing. It was actually a learning, a learning thing for me. And that's probably why I like doing it.
0: Um, I found so, the same yeah. thing that I've found that I've become a much better coach since yeah. talking to all these awesome coaches like yourself yeah. and all these, all these other people who've been on like, like Yanti just as the positivity that comes from him is like so authentic and real and just motivating like oh wow this guy is like really dialed into his craft and he's so passionate about it that he won't be denied from from doing it and it's definitely inspirational as a coach for sure and the dude matt was he uh was it mostly nutrition he was talking about
1: yeah mostly nutrition uh but science just from a nutritional science point of view an athlete Mm -hmm. you know he in his own mind he is a brilliant endurance athlete um but obviously now he's gone more into a jury and selling that product which is an amazing product by the way but um. Yeah. He. He just. I think it was just like. Again. He. He was very. Uh, he was very energetic and just like. Whoa. Okay. You really wanted to take it in. You know. You wanted to sort of feed off it and go and tell someone. You know. That's. He gave you that sort of real sense of buzz about himself, which I kind of like. Um,
0: I have to reach out. I'll, I'm. 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 just going to steal these guys from you now. Like that's. That's yeah, why. <laughs> um. All right. Last one. So what is one reason that you can give me that spartan race in the uk or in any in like or european championships is is better than spartan race in the states
1: that's a tough question um i think that and this is really interesting we had this conversation the other day on the podcast i think um it's just very different in the sense of i think the difference is like you watch all your series on TV, you get the hype, it's all buzzed. You get Steve Hammond. We haven't got that in Europe, you know, it's very um, basic, but we have got one thing you guys haven't got. And that's Thomas Blanc, who is uh, one of the course directors or course uh, sort of designers for Europe. And he creates the most amazing, amazing courses for Spartan. And he used, fortunately, he used to be um, in England So a lot of stuff was rubbed off in the England mindset. And then he moved to Europe, ideally France, because that's where he's from. But um, he does a lot of the European courses. He did Greece this year. Um, And they came up with these nodes. I don't know if you know, like two years ago, Spartan came out with like all these new obstacles and this thing called nodes. And no one one knew what nodes was. That's really hard to say. No one knew (laughs) what nodes were. But basically what a node was, was an idea of mixing up obstacles. So for instance, you'd have barbed wire crawl. But to make that more fun, you're going to take a pancake through the barbed wire. Oh! So you're mixing up obstacles. This year at Greece, he did a really cool thing where you had a sandbag. You picked up the sandbag, you did a loop, then you picked up, dropped the sandbag. You picked up a chain, did a loop with the chain picked up your sandbag again and back to the point. So you did a figure of eight. Like I saw that that was in,
0: that was in Greece.
1: Yeah. And that was Thomas's idea. So that type of thing, you know, and just looking at the terrain, this is what England's very good at as well. Looking at the terrain and using what's around you. So you're using nature. Uh, we do a lot of bushwhacking as you call it. in here in England, uh, the front runners tend to trim down the weeds and, and the stinging nettles with our shins um, because Spartan don't like using, you know, machinery. If they use our shins. Right. um, so we get a lot of that in England. So a lot of the courses are real rugged, true sort of countryside, British countryside type of races, which is which is brilliant. But, of course, we don't have the mountains and the amazing views in the sense of top of mountains. But we do in Europe, obviously. Um, so I think it's just different. I think I actually really enjoyed Tahoe. I think it was one of my favourite races. But I think to this day forward, Morzine, I would go back over and over and over again because that place is just breathtaking
0: and there is something with the innovation of just taking something that already exists and just giving it a twist like that like hey here's a sandbag taken under the barbed bar. wire like no, no extra work doesn't it take it doesn't require building an obstacle it just seems like being creative it's, it's like how they did at tahoe where it was like twister monkey bar twister it's not and that was like the keystone obstacle that race right that was what the one that was exciting it was hard to get through but like they didn't take that much so there's a lot we can still do and hopefully we will still see that because yeah that's that is something that happens in the states is every race is kind of the same every sandbag carry is sort of the same every yeah. bucket carry is the same so that'd be cool hopefully that that kind of stuff will rub off yeah um, no, definitely. well awesome man so crush those questions so just give uh, give myself and the listeners a little bit more information about who you are as a coach an athlete as a podcast host and what you got going on in uh, obstacle course racing
1: okay so um, long long story very short um I was I was the kid at school that didn't really like sport at all you know I was never really picked for football uh, wasn't fit didn't run hated the idea of running but I was a swimmer so I swam at a sort of a higher level, if you like, got to sort of county level, um, never good enough for the nationals, but just got bored of being in a pool, you know, five hours, six hour weeks. So my brother and sister both swam. They were much better than me. I was always the one that wasn't quite so good. Um, so really, I got a bit bored of swimming, but I was fortunate enough that because I did it enough, I could swim quite well. And I found the sport of water polo. I think you guys know about water polo in America, mm-hmm. but. In England, it's not very big, but it's quite, quite well known in the private schools. And just really strangely, our local team where I used to live had a team and they'd had a team since like 1947. And I just sort of joined it. And it was a group of sort of 50 year old males. And I was the only 14 year old there, but I was used obviously because I could swim. So it was like get in their boy and just do a few lengths, wear out the old boys and put the ball in the back of the net. Um, (laughs) And that was my first real love for something. Um, And I took that particular team, not single-handedly as a team, but we took it. I joined, uh, started a youth team. So I started getting some youth kids involved. Um, I started really taking it seriously, like really learning the game and coaching and tactics. Um, Started to introduce a bit of this to the guys. Some of the guys were a lot, a lot of it was social. And they sort of then... It sort of changed and conveyed. I got a few of my guys in. And next thing you know, we're quite a good team because we've got a load of swimmers that are quite fit and tasty, you know, and got some tactics going. So that sort of took five, six years of my life just playing water polo. And we got quite a high standard. We got to national level in England. So we played at the national level in England. Um, so that's about 16, 17. And someone, someone, someone said to me, why don't you come for a run to keep fit for water polo? So next thing I know, I'm on this treadmill doing 5k, dying, absolutely hating every minute of running. Um, and by this point, I was quite big as well. I like my drink. I like my food. Um, I could swim. That's all that really mattered. So I didn't really care too much about aesthetics or what I looked like. It was generally a case of, you know, just an 18 year old lad doing an 18 year old lad's thing. Um, but then I really got into running, funny enough. And it was a case of my sort of competitive mindset was okay. I've just done, uh, I think it was 10K in an hour. I'm going to make it 50 minutes. I'm going to make it 40 minutes. I'm going to, you know, and that's how it started for me, uh, the running side of things. And then I was just on a treadmill one day and someone turned to me and went, You swim, right? And I went, Yeah. He's like, You're running, right? Yeah. Have you tried triathlon? And I was like, Don't get me into swimming else because. I- Generally, I'm that kid that has tried every single sport. You know, I've got rollerblades. I've done roller hockey, I've done all these, but never stuck at it. I've never, ever stuck at a sport. Water polo was the first sport that I ever really stuck at. Um, Then I got into triathlon, did a couple of sprint triathlons, realized I quite enjoyed it. Um, By this point, I was actually quite good without realizing I was quite good. So I was, you know, sort of 20 minute 5Ks. Obviously, I was quite quick in the pool. So I was doing some serious good times on the the old swim. Bike got stronger and stronger. The more I practiced, joined a tri club. This story's going on a long time. Um, So that's where- Keep it going. Yeah. So um, I actually qualified for GB. So Great Britain for triathlon at age group level. Um, But then it got to me that- and this is this is a sucker for most sports other than OCR. What got to me was the fact that everyone that was beating me was on like a 12 grand bike or Mm. had the latest this or had the latest that or had infinity pools in their back gardens. And I just got to a point where I couldn't compete, compete with those guys because fortunately I didn't have a 12 grand time trial bike, you know, and I wasn't able to go and push those levels that those guys were doing. So I suppose it just became a bit boring for me as in like I just got to a point where I was like ah um someone then suggested that I tried an Ironman um which at that point was like huh okay okay yeah I suppose I could and this was 2015 um so I went and signed up for the Ironman on holiday um my wife at the time was like what are you doing (laughs) I was like I don't know but I've just signed up for it um and that was it. So Bolton UK Ironman t- came around 2015, which is basically um, two and a half mile swim, 112 bike ride and a marathon. Bearing in mind, I'd never done a marathon in my life before. Um, and I'd only just done sort of a bike ride the four or five weeks before that, leading up to that, that distance. You know, I could do the I could do each, in dis- each discipline, but I couldn't do the distance in total. Uh, sort of winged it for a triathlon uh, through the Ironman. Finished. And that feeling was probably the best feeling I think I've ever, ever had. I mean, it wasn't fast. I was 12, t- late 12s, like 13 hours, something like that. But, you know, just that feeling of going up that iron car- the red carpet and the guy shouting, you are Iron Man, to me was like such a buzz. And then I realized I wanted more of that buzz. And I think from that point there, my life changed because I'd just done something that not the average person could do. And I then went chasing for that one thing. That one thing was like, I need something that is a bit different, is a bit, you know, out there. And then in England, I started getting into all these type of Tough Mudders, uh, sort of weekend warrior runs and warrior dash, which was basically like in the trenches and mud runs and all this sort of thing. And then someone happened to say to me, try a Spartan. So in 2016, I went and tried my first sprint. I came through uh well I won my age group um so I was like okay this is quite good did the super the next day and then I was hooked you know literally that was it from then I decided to quit triathlon um really get into the sport of OCR effectively with the running side of things and I'm not a runner I'm still not a runner I still wouldn't call myself a runner but I suppose with my uh competition and my competitive competitive head and my mindset I've turned myself into that um so 2016 did my first beast that that September. Um, and that was it. At 2017, I had a whole year of doing elite uh elite heat, if you like. And at that time, there wasn't a pro team. It was just you signed up for elite and you went and raced elite. And that was it. Um i trained as a personal trainer as well in that time. So mm. actually within that time period, <laughs> very long story short, I'd actually um, split up from my then wife, moved house, moved place. So my life had changed as well completely. So I'd gone from, you know, a, a, funny enough, the, the real funny story, my name is actually Jack Carpenter and I am actually a qualified carpenter. That's my job.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> just took that last name. It's like the old days.
1: You're a carpenter. Yeah. Last name is now carpenter <laughs> pretty much uh, which is why Aaron calls me Jack the carpenter because it's a bit of a running joke but um so everything changed for me from where I lived to who I was with to what I was doing and when I got back into OCR I realized that um holding down a, 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 my and this sounds really wrong but I really wanted to do well at OCR training OCR racing and I found that Running a self employed joinery business, carpentry business was killing me. You know, I was working all the hours under the sun. I was trying to fit my, my training in the morning and the evening, and it was just like absolutely wearing me out. And I realized it wasn't going to happen. So I made a serious life choice and just said, you know what? I love joinery, but that's it. I'm not doing anymore. I'm going to retrain my career. Went for it. Be- well, the thing was, like, a lot of people were coming to me uh, anyway and asking my advice. And I probably had two years of just giving out advice, not not technical advice, but just advice to people. And then I suddenly realized one day, hold on, why am I not getting paid for this? <laughs> I'm just you know? sort of charging
0: these people. <laughs>
1: exactly. And and that's how it started, because what was happening is people were coming to me with things. And then I was going away and Googling them, researching, learning about them, and then going back to them. And they were going, oh, thanks, Jack, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, shit, I've just done myself out of a few quid there. But So it isn't about the money for me, because... um it never has been, really. It's just actually I really enjoy learning, going away. And even if someone comes to me with something that I have no idea, I'll say, right, just give me a time. I'm going to go away. I'll either talk to someone that does know or I'll teach myself to know and we'll get through it. And and really from there, training to be a personal trainer um, sort of took its turn into uh, a bit of a dwindle to field fit, which is what uh, basically field fit is a training facility that I own, um, which we took on a year and a half ago. Um, and that was actually all personal. It was all just for me. It was just literally obstacles that I put up in a field for me to train. And then I realized that actually I might as well make money from that as well. So I started training people and then boot camps started happening and then it all just evolved from there. So, and actually it's funny you said at the start of this call, um, initially i did not agree with online training it's something that i still don't agree with i still like to be hands-on with all my clients um because nine times out of ten when you get to know these people there is things like you said about movement specialists and stuff there tends to be issues with people's running styles or they have injuries or you know and i find that face to face you can you can really nail that there and then um so that's where i was with that and Basically, Field Fit was all about just getting people into the sport of OCR because in England at the minute there isn't many places where you can go and do OCR or even know what OCR is. People know what a tough matter is, people are starting to know what Spartan is, but they generally don't know how to train, where to train. And a lot of training centers haven't are doing amazing things, but I would say they're not necessarily not training in the right way, but they're just not training how I feel is best for majority of people. And
0: considering you you were kind of there on like the the ground floor, you know, when OCR in England, right? Like you still kind of are, you're spreading the word via your podcast, you're doing, you're spreading the training with your facility. So you have a lot of experience built up. So you know how to guide these people who are coming with nothing because there's a general idea here, I guess you would say if people have done, they've they've done a couple of races, they kind of, they might know what to do, but if they've never done a race and they don't even know what it is, like where should they even start? So I love the story that, it kind of just built into the the facility and coaching almost as a necessity. It sounded like you like, you were just passionate about it. So you were like, all right, well, this has happened. I'm going to do this anyway. So I want to spread this word. I'm passionate about it. Other people are going to be passionate about it. So let's just roll with it. And uh, so w- with the try stuff, because I did notice that when uh, I was looking back through your athletes and it was like, try, 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 try. And then the Ironman and then all of a sudden it was like, Spartan right after that. (laughs) Yeah. How well do you think the, the, the tri training translates? Because like conceptually there are two transitions, right? And in OCR, a lot of the, the bread and butter is made in your transitions between obstacles and, and running again. So do you find that there is a translation between the two of them?
1: A hundred percent. I actually, more interestingly, I'm starting to think now that water polo had a bigger play on how I am as a triathlete, as an OCR athlete now than hmm. what triathlon did. I think triathlon did from a point of view of endurance, like pure endurance. I mean, we were training, uh, but this is the thing, like, as you know, if you've been a part of a triathlon group, you go out on a Sunday on a bike ride and you'll do a hundred miles, but you're doing it in a group of 30 people. So... Like, how do you know how much of that is you? And I think the problem is, like, you could be drafting, you could be getting a lot of help. Whereas, if you go out for an hour and a half run now or a bike ride, trust me, you know, it's all you. It hurts. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I think from a general aerobic point of view, and I, I've missed quite a lot of, of my list. I could talk forever for what I've done, but I went through at that point as well zone two stuff i was in keto you know i've i have literally tried everything paleolithic you know i've i've test tried and tested to work out for me i've had my dna tested all those types of things you know um but i think looking back now and especially after talking to jack bauer about he was trying to do a study about what people did i think the short sharp hard efforts of bouts in water polo probably prepped me for ocr more so Hmm. like And because I could swim, I ended up being the swimmer. So it would be like, I don't know, a 10 meter dash in the pool sprint, fighting a little bit for the ball, you know, 10 meter dash back the way, fighting a bit for the ball, 10 meter dash. And we were doing that for three or four minutes hard, you know, for eight minutes. And then there's four quarters. So you're doing for 45 minutes, you're literally doing intervals, short, sharp interval, like literally throwing up in your mouth type intervals um, during a water polo match you know, Hmm. and then you still have, and I was the shooter. So I was the five meter shooter. So I'd be the guy that come up and always take the shot. Um, So I think this is probably why I put this down to my spear throw, because I'm actually pretty cool at keeping my cool under pressure. Um, And I suppose I've translated that now into my field fit. I'm very fortunate that I have a training facility. So, when it comes to compromised OCR sessions, I haven't got a faff about with burpees every mile. I can actually do a spear throw. I can actually do a block wall. I can actually pick up a sandbag because I've got. I've pretty much tailored my sessions to those things. Um, but yeah, I think the triathlon, from an endurance point of view, definitely you can't beat it. And I, I still think now, I I, I still teach spinning uh, four times a week currently, uh, not at the minute because obviously we're shut down, but. Um, I do, I do miss going out on my long bike rides and that's something that I haven't done for a long time. Um, but I do miss it.
0: Yeah. I feel like you can amass a lot of volume when training for a triathlon, especially for an Ironman. You just have to, you just have to spend time eating, spend time, you know, burning fat and just making sure you can handle that. But that's really interesting. I never thought about a sport that is, you know, anaerobic and aerobic and then we're throwing involved like yeah. do you ever miss the spear are you just like, like awesome
1: <laughs> i never missed it uh no i lie i had the first full season to so the 2017 i had this thing with it where i just could not hit it and i i oh, it was weird it was like one whole season i did not it's, hit. One it spear. can be a mental thing man it really is just like oh, fuck. i hope i hit this thing yeah uh well what did it for me actually uh was one particular race i was in first i shouldn't have been in first i was in first i'm looking around going oh my god i'm in first (laughs) missed spear. like i don't deserve to be in first you throw the spear like 20 feet up (laughs) like i don't want to be in first anymore (laughs) i want the pressure um and literally i was doing burpees and one came through as i was doing hit the spear went through and that killed me like literally killed me and i think i sprinted off for, for, I got second by point point naught of a second on that particular oh, race yeah. that was my very first ever podium and it was a second it was brilliant but I can never think like that should have been a first and I yeah, should have won by a minute smoked and a half everybody yeah <laughs> what would you say
0: and it's great because you have a, a a spear right on your uh facility and this is somewhere where I struggle right like because I coach athletes online and like i can't throw the spear i live directly in the middle of a city like if i had anything if i took a spear out there probably get the cops Mm -hmm. called like there would be problems like and uh, i can't store anything and i can't ask other people to do that right like go buy one of these grit sticks get a hay bale get a get a thing like i can't i just don't know what the setup is like so like when you see people doing the spear throw like what do you see is is common like what's the most common fix that you have because this is a barrier for people for years right and yeah. it's like there you can practice and practice and practice but if you're not wiring the patterns properly or that you're just kind of like just doing it wrong what would you say to somebody like what is like your general spear throw tip um so is this to online coaches or people that i'm staying in front of Someone listening right now who's like, I need to get better at the spear. Okay. But, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, and based off of like what you've seen from from people you, you watch throw it at the facility.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so first thing I noticed mainly is people generally throw it like dog shit. <laughs> they, don't throw, <laughs> they don't throw it at all. Uh, they physically don't You that. So, okay, this is in water polo. Okay, so a lot of people think the power comes from the arm. You know, there's a reason why some of these skinny guys like me can throw a ball really hard because – the the force is not generated from the arm. You know, I'm using everything from my toes all the way through to throw. And actually a lot of it's in the wrist. Um, And it's really weird because I watch Atkins throw a spear because this is another thing I do that's really weird. I sit at home on YouTube and I go through all spear throws and watch- (laughs) You go
0: back, go back back again. (laughs)
1: there's There's a link with everyone. I don't and I give them a secret away now, but there's a link. When you watch people throw- Everyone that lifts their back foot off the floor when so left that spear's left the hand tends to hit it. Now, that says to me it's a balance thing. Mm. A lot of people don't have the balance to actually throw the spear initially. They have got the balance, but they're not using the balance. They get the balance of the spear. A lot of them people, especially the girls, you see they get the mid-weight of the spear, make sure the stuff's out of the way, you know, and they throw it. But when they throw it, they don't throw it with any conviction for a start. So it's either too soft and a bit... Eh, or they're throwing it with too much conviction and not enough uh, precision, if that makes sense. But for me, a lot of it's balance, and then the wrist action. A lot of it is in the wrist.
0: So with the wrist, what it, what exactly do you mean? Is it like a, a follow through, or, yeah. or how? And, and because when I first started, I was throwing it like a baseball. Like I grew up playing baseball, right? And I, I was, I would pitch, so that would come from my shoulder, and it would finish at my opposite hip. And when I started throwing the spear that way. It would obviously curve left, right, yeah. and I would miss all the time because I was throwing it like a baseball, and that's why I I don't I don't throw a football well either because I throw it like a baseball. So, like, how how do you like with like what like a, what kind of could you paint a picture of how it should look or how it should feel with your wrist?
1: Yeah, so you should know you've hit it before it's even left your hand. You should Mm. have that feeling of boom for a start. So I think I was listening to your podcast a little while ago and someone was saying about conviction. So when you're getting up to the first thing I do, and I do this all the time when I'm running towards that spear throw, I'm already hitting it. I'm already visualizing running off and and getting on that podium, especially if I'm on top three, you know, I'm visualizing that Um, I come in. So obviously your basics. I actually do a netball thing. So where I actually aim with my opposite hand. And I okay. always try and aim a higher because the flick of my wrist is going to bring it down into an arc. And I think that's the issue. A lot of people have the, the spear going up. So if it does hit, it tends to fall out this way. Whereas right. If It'll it drop if like the
0: back end will like dangle and hit the ground exactly. and pop out. Okay.
1: And, that, and that's where you need that little flick of the wrist because what the flick of the wrist does is just give it that little bit of up and down, a bit like a football kick if you like. So as it's coming down, it's actually going to – the nose is coming down into the bale. And I think that's what the flick does. So I actually generate the power through the core, legs, and hips. Um, then it goes elbow, then then arm, then the little wrist flick at the end. Mm. And as I'm doing that, my opposite foot, so if I'm throwing my right, my left foot is actually coming off the floor. And I'll actually finish in like a, a ballerina stance, if you like, um, for balance. Because obviously I'm completely off balance at that point. Um, but I think the flick of the wrist just for me controls the spear's angle. Um, so like you say, you get that coming across the body. I have people that throw the spear from an angle, which is fine, but I've taught them to flick the wrist at the end. So it keeps it straight. Mm. So you can still throw from a side point of view. It's just making sure you get in that flick to keep the, the angle straight.
0: Yeah. Cause like, if you think of like American football a uh, quarterbacks, they have a, a specific style but every, everybody's a little bit different like some people do throw a little bit more sidearm but the ball goes the same direction probably because of that that wrist action so when people are missing are they kind of more shot putting it like they're just kind of like letting it go and not yeah. moving their and there's like allowing it to
1: just go like and hope it, yeah. i think a lot of people throw it on hope and hit don't they do you know what i mean just yeah, throw yeah. it like i i still don't get this i mean there's a lot of top athletes out there that say oh i have clean runs except for the spear but why why are you still missing the spear i mean Another another method that I get my guys to do actually really strange one. Everyone's got a tennis ball or a bucket and literally just get your heart rate so jacked up and then just throw. I mean, I do a little boot camp workout, um, a warm up for my OCR lots and I put a tire in the middle and we have hundreds of tennis balls. And you basically just got to run round, grab a tennis ball, throw it in, run round. And it's how many you can get in in like a minute, you know. And nine times out of 10, your heart rate's up because you're racing round, you know, mm-hmm. and you watch the people throw like crap when they're in a when a panic. You know, they'll hit it 10 out of 10 when they just stood there, but make them run around a few times, and then throw it. All of a sudden, you've got specific to that workout. And I think that's the next thing. And then it's being able to throw it with all that correction, but with the heart rate so high.
0: Um... Right. And having that confidence. And that's, that's a good, that's a good idea. And that's one thing that when writing like more like these replacement workouts for races now, it's like, and at mile two shoot a basketball or something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. And if you miss, if you miss burpees. Um, but I like that. It doesn't even have to be the actual spear itself to get, uh, get the practice of being accurate under fatigue, because that really is the main deal. You can sit and hit a, a spear all day when you're not tired But it's out the window, just like anything else. Like just how monkey bars are easy when you're not, when you don't run up to them. Um, Do you think if they just like threw a ball? Like is is it just that most people aren't throwing until they get up to the spear on race day, and then that just
1: exactly exactly. So just even
0: practice, just go out and throw.
1: What's, what's really strange, right? So, especially in quarantine right now, everyone's gone out and bought pull-up bars, kettlebells, things. That's brilliant, right? Okay, so we can, we can train grip. We can train dead hangs and grip switches and all those type of things because it's specific to monkey bars and rings. But no one's going out and training any type of throwing action. No one's training any type of balance or uh, brain games. Now, my coach has me doing brain games. And hmm. I tell you now, that is, that is like... Whew, the hardest thing ever you know um, what's an example so there's an app uh, we use and it's beta or better or better I'll, 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 find, I'll have to find it for you but it it basically is like hit the dot so it's reaction yeah. brain games but it, it gets harder so it's not just like follow the dot the next one might be it will say a color but the color will be different to what it says so it will say red but it will be in green and you've got to hit the red that makes sense. So it's actually just getting your brain to work um, like that, and I, I I think massively that's what we miss in that this level of sport. I mean OCR is not quite there yet. If you go into triathlon, I mean I'm a triathlon coach as well. That sort of stuff is in triathlon, especially at a high end. You know, if you look at if you look at Dave Brailsford from the Sky Team, what used to be the Sky Team, they're doing really strange things like that 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 have massive effect on endurance. And cycling you know so why why wouldn't it have effect on ocr it should do and we're level now that it will get there um give it five years and atkins and john album they'll all be be doing that things like that
0: and you would think something like decision training or mind training would be more helpful for a sport like obstacle course racing than triathlon because really in like running or triathlon or swimming even it's there's not that many decisions you have to make. In OCR, like you're making decisions and things happen on the fly. Like you fall down, <laughs> you, things change on a whim and you have to really kind of have that wherewithal to, um, to make those decisions. And, and that's funny. You mentioned that. I, I was just listening to a book the other day on my, on my run. It's called deep survival. And it was talking about how, like what you said, like how it's hard to like, if, if the word green pops up in, on front of a screen, but it's written in red, it's like, hard to say what color it is you know it's like what color is this you're like ah and like those small decisions are what change people from from reacting well in 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 moments of true peril like this book is about literally surviving in the worst like scuba stuff like scuba accidents so like having those those brain games seems like a really kind of next level thing to um to add and and do you do it while you're fatigued or or, or, or is it separate? Is it something that nah, like, you add
1: completely separate? Because actually, it's mentally fatiguing. It is quite. It makes you tired. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's funny. I mean, depending on where I am in my periodization and where I am in training. Um. Like for now, I might do it. I've just done my run today. But this evening, I might sit down on the sofa and and do that um, as an extra thing, you know. But I'm I'm sure as it goes more specific towards racing, then obviously I I put that within training. But I'll do it on the I do it out when I'm running, you know. I I I try and take my mind off running and get into that flow state by doing training games you know memory games things like that i mean when we trained for last year we were doing a couple of the beasts and they started doing those memory tests i don't know if you had them in america
0: we um, did i never had to do one that was it showed up on a map one time and for like 24 hours i was like trying to figure out how to memorize numbers it's <laughs> like how can i do this yeah. uh, but it didn't show up on race day so i never had to do it
1: but yeah, but that's interesting because i we did that at greece and uh, and i suddenly thought oh no they've got the brain game and famously obviously john failed that last year at greece trifecta world champions he had to do burpees at the very end um so it was like oh no that's coming up it's coming up it's coming up but like how much my race was ruined because i was sitting there thinking about the bloody brain grain that never even came up so and you know and you mentioned like it it does
0: like it costs energy to think like it's like your brain sucks up glycogen so if there's other if there's this mental stress that's weighing on you and you're thinking about this number or thinking about it like yeah it's going to make you more tired it can definitely screw up your race Um, and that's the same
1: with that that's the same with anything like i i say to my clients like you know like the biggest ones for me are sleep stress work nutrition you know they're basic but you know, like one of my clients said to me yesterday, oh, I'm just, I get to the end of the week, I'm just this and I'm that and I'm just losing motivation. I said, to her, what time are you going to bed? And she was like, oh, 11 o'clock after I've watched films and stuff. I'm like, there's your issue. You know, like, until you can control that and improve that in your day to day lifestyle, you can't expect to train like a top athlete if you're not treating yourself like an athlete, you know, and... And I think that's what people don't realize. And I like to, as my, as my coaching, I like to give that to my guys. Look, this is what it takes to be at the level of even just a good athlete. I mean, I wouldn't even call myself an amazing athlete, you know, like I'm just a good athlete, but I'm still training like crazy, you know, and doing this and going to bed at this time and eating well. And that's what it takes. And unfortunately, cause it's no magic pill, you know, it, you, yeah. you have to put the work in and, and these guys want to put the work in. It's just, they're not sure how, <laughs>
0: And and that's where like these advanced training methods. That's like the kind of like the overarching theme. It's like once you have your sleep and nutrition and like your training, and th- then then you can start to add in different training things. Then maybe these memory like mental memory games that you can play or reaction games can or like breath training. Like yes, maybe, but like if you sleep like shit. It does. It's not going to matter. Like Get that's over. the biggest thing you can do to to help your performance. And if you're trying to do other stuff, um, it, it, as because you heard, you know, Jack Carpenter does it or John Albin does it. Like if you're not sleeping
1: or recovering like them, it's
0: not going
1: to matter. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you people realize or don't realize, but it is so unique as well to indiv- And the more I train and the more I coach, I realize that so many things are individual. You know, mm. um, I was lucky enough. I mean, Luke was lucky enough uh, last year at Sp- uh, Spartan European Championships. We teamed up with John Abbott to do the, the team race. Oh, nice. And I mean, for him, it was just a walk in the park. Literally for us, we were dying. Um, but we had chance to chat to him. And I was like, do you know what? Not every often, not everyone gets a chance to sit with John Abbott and, and do a whole two-hour race with him. So let's not quite sit, but run around. Um so you know why not just ask him questions and it's amazing because his training is completely different to the next person's and the next person's and and it is just crazy because like how can so but this is the thing with OCR isn't it like we say this all the time there's not currently there's not one body type or one physical athlete that's that's good I think there's a general consensus that a running endurance background helps or a track background helps um Mm. strength strength to weight ratio is massive. You know, anybody that is reasonably skinny with a really strong grip is going to, is going to do better. But in general, you know, you got a Hunter McIntyre who's completely the opposite and runs ridiculous. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's a lot of, and, and
0: like, there's no real way to train either. And that's kind of what, As coaches, we're kind of needing to help pave that way because even in something like endurance training, like this type, that type of training has been studied in labs. And then there's been coaches who have been helping people perform for that since like the beginning of the Olympics, you know? So there's been, there's like ways to do it where training for OCR, there, there are, like you said, there's guidelines and there might be some principles that, that overlay across everybody, but there's not a way to do it. You know, there's not like one specific way that's going to move the needle the most and, and what works for me might not work as well for you and vice versa. So, um, that's another thing to really keep in mind too, for the people listening. It's like, well, if I could only do this much X, Y, Z, like you got to do what's going to work and, and whatever you're going to do to kind of stay consistent from that front.
1: Yeah. and I, I think you've just mentioned the one word that I would say that is the biggest thing is, is consistency um I know when I got a coach and got consistency in my training that's when the magic started to happen for me um I winged it as a triathlete you know I I generally winged it um I went around with people that with experience that done it before but when it came to try when it came to OCR I couldn't wing it you know I didn't know what I was doing I was just going out and running I was doing what most people do I was I was doing pull-ups doing a few push-ups and going to the gym and running you know I didn't I didn't know what I was doing pick um, up something heavy
0: walk around with yeah, like it. <laughs>
1: exactly. and, and unfortunately a lot of people out are, are doing that and that's the right thing to do it's just not in the right order you know like it's interesting with with currently the situation that we've got now I've got all my guys roughly back in sort of a build base period so there's no real specificity in there they're so annoyed with me they're like we want intensity we want to carry and i'm like should i be no. doing carries it's like uh, uh, really? yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. and and you realize that it's a running sport ocr is a running sport you know and where's your weakness running right we need to run we need to get good at running we need to enjoy and the main thing the first thing i do with most of my clients is make them enjoy running and it's very simple we just i i, I like um matt matt fitzgerald that his his stuff blows me the away 80 20, 80 20 yeah and i put most of my clients on that particular the best it's a bit of a mix but i put them on a definitely an 80 percent easy and i do the heart rate testing and i make them go easy and boy do they improve just like that because mm-hmm. it's the, the same old thing they're doing the hard sessions not hard enough and they're doing their easy sessions too bloody hard and they're doing it in the middle ground and they're just wearing themselves out You know, they're not really, they are improving because they're doing something, which is brilliant, but they're not getting the best bang for the buck for every session they're doing. And I think that's the biggest thing I bring to the table is that, right, you're doing this wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, but you're doing it in the wrong way around you do it right be doing the wrong way around and i think that's the biggest thing that i bring to the the table is like that consistency of training and and making them enjoy it because in the the day we do ocr because we enjoy it even i do you know yes i go out there to win and be competitive and i want to be an elite and i want to be this and i want to be that but most of all i enjoy it i enjoy pushing it i don't like doing ocr for fun it sounds silly i don't go and just get muddy and wet that's not my thing sorry sorry (laughs) People that I've offended for saying that, but you know, for me, I'm on there that start line to to basically beat the person next to me, and that's that's why I do it. You know, and I enjoy that. Weirdly,
0: and that that's so funny to say that too, because I'm the same way. Like I like mud runs, but I could deal without the mud. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it's like the explanation and, and and the accountability, and just like figuring out why they want to do. Like you want to be out there for the competition, right? You want to you want to push whoever they want, but maybe some people are just like, ah, it's like getting muddy sometimes and, and being out there for it um in in like your own training what what was the thing that made you um realize that you want wanted or needed to be more consistent was it kind of getting with a coach and having them just give you that accountability and kind of lay things out for you or was there a moment that you're like all right if i if i'm in this for competition and i want to be as competitive as possible like what do i have to do
1: yeah um so at the time of that particular season so 2017 and we got through the season and i was hitting the podiums but there and thereabouts you know i wasn't a, a name and still you know um we had a few people in england um well obviously john Aben didn't race in england at that time he just finished and moved to norway but there's a few big names in england that were winning races just so easy you know and i was like well what's the difference between them and me you know and and you do you do the whole the, the stalking on strava and all these things and main nine times out of ten they were a better runner than me it wasn't anything they weren't a better athlete they're just a either had more experience of running or just a better runner in general so for me it was like okay i need to improve my running um i love and have done a lot of sort of um minimal i'm a minimal runner so i love the form of running i love the science behind how we hit the floor and the movement i'm a big into all that so i know i was running correctly it was just that i probably wasn't wasn't really, I was doing the thing that I tell everyone else off for doing. I was just running for the sake of running. You know, I was taking my triathlon background. So I was doing like uh, intervals and stuff like that. But the problem is I was doing all this on trail. I wasn't doing any road running, but I'd gone from road running to trail. So I was almost just like enjoying the trail. So I was going out with most of my runs, doing easy, easy runs, enjoying the trails and not really doing enough specific speed work. So mm. I think the first thing my coach did was basically build my volume up. So I went from thought 30 miles to 40 miles within the first sort of few months. And that obviously improved me because then I started getting a bit more consistent with my running and volume added some speed work in there, which I knew I was going to do, but I shied away from it anyway. Um, but then I had this really weird thing. So I left my coach at that time because I decided that I wanted to try myself coaching Um which is great. But I think all good coaches have coaches because it's became difficult to keep myself accountable, if that makes sense. I know. So, and you know, there's, gonna... you know,
0: there's value in it, right? Like you are a coach, you know, you provide value. So, you know, other coaches provide value and it's a hell of a way to learn. It's a yeah. great way to learn.
1: hundred percent. And I'm fortunate enough now to have a really good coach and that's uh, Nikolai Dam, a Danish oh, yeah. athlete. Okay, yeah. cool. But what I like about coaching with Nikolai is the fact that we talk together. So like I'll come with the information and say, right, this is how I want to train. And he'll go, well, what about this, this, and this, and this. So together we coach me, if that makes sense. So it's kind of We've got a good balance. Um, But yeah, I think uh, I've lost what I was saying, but I think basically like now it's consistent. But I had this weird, weird time where um, I was doing a lot of zone two easy stuff, like long distancy. And I was doing short speed work. So I got really good at sprints. Like, like really short, good.
0: like 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 two, like 30 seconds, like 60 seconds?
1: Yeah, less than a minute and a half. Okay. So I was doing like 200s and intervals. 400s. Yeah. yeah, basically. And so I was doing basically uh, six days a week, easy, one day a week, hard. So I was only having one quality session in there. Um, and for a whole year, I lived off that. You know, I hit podiums. I was the one to beat in sprints. Like last year, I went literally the stadion sprint 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 i want them all but i couldn't do a damn super or beast to save my life you know i couldn't keep up and i'm like sitting here going what is wrong and that's when i reached out to nikolai and went what am i doing wrong man what am i doing wrong and he was like we looked at it and we're working on it now and it was pure and simple i just wasn't pushing myself too hard and Mm. the issue was i was I was probably too involved with the heart rate stuff and going slow and steady, which was great for one thing, but I got myself in a bit of a web and I wasn't really just letting the beast go. And now I've started to let the beast go. It's like, Oh yeah, the speed was always there. I just wasn't unleashing the beast. Um, and that's pretty much all that Nikolai's helped me with. And, And now it's like, oh, yeah. And the stupid thing is I knew it. I knew it. It's just that I needed someone to tell me. Does that make sense? Totally. And then when you get kind of – I do this all the time with, like,
0: technology or some sort of philosophy on things. Like, okay, I need to be here. And then almost, like, neglect something completely. Like, I did something like – um, uh, similar last year, I would focus on just vertical gain. Essentially. I was like, I need to get better at the mountains. I need to only run on the mountains. And it's, and I moved and I didn't do speed, which I'd like to do more than anything. And now that I'm introducing it back, it's like, Oh yeah, duh. Like this is how I get the most fit. Um, and when you started to get m- more fit from, you know, kind of closing the gap on when you saw these competitors, uh, did you notice things on, on Strava sh- shrinking? Did you Could you see yourself catch up to them outside of just the races or was it did it nah. it just on the races it kind of race, like that's like race when
1: you... day because the stupid thing is i don't i don't really time trial. as say i do fight i do part run in england but um in general i don't do enough testing on myself to, at the time i wasn't doing enough testing on myself to know where i was at so it was literally race day but the first race of the season i turned up and it was like okay jack's feeling good you know and then the second day i, I won so it was like I just want to sprint. I'd never want to sprint in my life. You know, I've just, run. you know, so actually, um, yeah, it was race day when I realised something's going right here, <laughs> you know, and...
0: And that's that's what I I love that that was the approach because sometimes I feel that people do get so wrapped up in what they see other people doing when their skill sets are not the same and when it comes to the OCR course it doesn't fucking matter so like you you seeing like oh I, if only I could run a five k in you know fifteen minutes then I could be able to run with these guys who run in fifteen minutes but that's not that's not how it works and it's and people get really wrapped up in that and and things like Strava are great to to see, I guess, and to, to learn from people or to just kind of communicate and, and celebrate your running. But it doesn't mean like you're going to perform less well than somebody else because your, your paces or your heart rate or something isn't, isn't matching up against somebody else. Um, and when you were doing the, the trails, were you, so were you on the trails because you thought that was more specific or, or were you telling yourself it was more specific? So you got to go run on the trails
1: bit of both. Um, Unfortunately, where I live, I live on a, a lot of trails around here. I mean, they're not mountainous trails at all. They're all sort of countryside trails and footpaths and what have you. Um, I hate road running. I think just just from pounding treadmills and, and road running, I just taught myself hate road running. Um, but I think mainly because of that whole minimalistic running and I'm running very barefoot and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I naturally gain towards the trails um, just purely for that reason. And I love it. I mean, again, I actually weirdly i've gone from hating running to actually making it really enjoyable to the point now where i actually want to go on my run you know it's it's that point where i just listen to a podcast or you know just literally watch, watching the world go by I, I quite enjoy it it's really really weird and a bit zen but um i suppose also i know that i'm doing it because i'm i'm a bit of a stubborn ass as well like if i know it's improving me i don't mind doing it does that make sense mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah I totally. I have to tell myself why before I'm doing it. And that's another thing the coach will help with. You know, like if he can give me the why I'm doing it, I always say to my coach, now, why are we doing this? You know, what, what, why have you got me doing this for? And if he can come back to me with a really good reason, I'm like, I'm in it. I'll, I'll do it. I'm happy to do it. I just don't know. I want to know why we're doing yeah. it, you know. And, um, but it's interesting you say about, um, like, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, so just knowing that why, I, I couldn't remember what I was going to say then. I was going to come up with something. <laughs> Yeah, on. no, the why is a, good, is a good thing, and it makes me think about, like, eating your vegetables. <laughs> it's
0: like, well, do I need to go running? I'll run because it'll make you better at OCR. Just like, all right, I'll eat vegetables just because it's supposed to be better for me. Just begrudgingly do it. But it's awesome that you had come around and, and really do enjoy it because – that makes it that much easier to to get past that, and I found that as well. Because a lot of people, you know, you've you your your background is somewhat endurance, but not run specific. But a lot of people who have no endurance background, it's definitely a barrier because running isn't fun um, when you first start.
1: No. And that, that, like I said earlier, that my first thing with a lot of my clients is um, they don't enjoy running, and the problem with OCR it. Even if you're gonna just do a weekend warrior run you know just be a weekend warrior you still have to run you know if it's ten miles you're still running 10 miles guys you know you've got to my biggest thing is like running healthy um and mm. injury free for that lot guys because they will go and put themselves into serious state of injury just to get round to get a medal um so that what that's what worries me a lot of my clients is there they 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 know it's gonna hurt their ankle or knees they'll just do it anyway. Um, so it's being that smart as well, like teaching them that, you know, there's always going to be another race. There's always going to be something else you can do another virtual race next week. Don't worry. You don't have to do them all in one day, you know, and that- now,
0: that, that's something I, 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 used to see a lot. Um, I think the, the age group, um, categories have helped allow people to become more competitive but before it was just like i'm gonna do a race. i'm gonna do two races every weekend no matter what and just never get better (laughs) so at at least here i found um stateside that people are kind of grasping it's like okay i do need to train i don't need to do these races all the time um because yeah i agree like people just go too crazy and they either get hurt or they just don't see any type of real improvement um -hmm.
1: and and throughout this time I was gonna Go say, ahead. how many times have you heard the saying, uh, I wasn't born to run? You know, I don't these knees don't run, you know, I'm not designed to run. Dude, and actually something you said is like I'm not a runner.
0: Like you hear that all the time. You're like, oh, I'm not a natural runner, I'm not really a runner. It's like, well, you're doing this, you're doing this 10 mile race, you're gonna have to fucking run a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you you count. Um, and like one common theme about this is that you you know, you've never really been afraid to add new new things once you found the sport that you were really invested in then you were able to kind of branch out and, and add new things into your training and to progress. And you mentioned having a coach and, and seeing the value of that. So, um, so you obviously, like I said, not afraid to add things in. So what are some things that you've been like experimenting with lately? And
1: as far as your training to help move the needle? Um, okay. So coming back to the balance thing, I love my balance work currently. um, Uh, so I do a lot of Taylor Cruz. He's a American guy who works with, I'm having him
0: on, uh, I'm having him on next week.
1: That guy blows my mind. So I've been doing a lot of Taylor Cruz stuff, mobility wise and balanced. And the, um, and I, I'm going to completely screw this up, but basically the hand eye coordination, and I can't think what he calls it. Oh, it's gone, but hand eye coordination stuff, which I've been trying, which I really love. And it's, it's basically a simple drill where you put the pencil or a pen, further away and you bring it in towards your eyes and you keep focused on that position and then you move it out again and you bring it in and move it out and then you basically move it round but you keep your head dead still and you move your eyes following it i'm sure he'll explain all this um but it's basically training the brain and mind and eyes to be balanced and apparently you know then you do it on one leg then you might do it you know with your eyes closed like you do it all different ways but it's good stuff i really like it and um really weird ask him about infinity circles
0: um
1: um, so yeah just things like that which i again i like bringing the little magic um the little magic into it i mean everyone's out running everyone's doing tempo runs everyone's doing all that type of thing but you know the things that people don't tend to do is work on the balance and things like that and, and and so that's one thing that i've definitely brought into my training for the last few over the last few weeks with the brain games as well um And actually, funny enough, just a, a real strange one is just tempo running, actual proper tempo running, because it's it's something that I avoided. I knew I should be doing it, but I've actually really enjoyed tempo running right now. And when You've I say tempo, it. yeah, yeah, we, weirdly, um, well I, I think it's because I've spent most of my life running at that eighty percent. That you know, I'll go out for an hour, two hours on the trails, and I'll be at, at, you know an eight, ten minute it, mile chilling, pace. Yeah. You know, yeah, chilling. Now I'm at like a six. Forty 630, i'm enjoying it it's it's like the wind's going through my hair you know it's like it's fast it feels good and you know it's just like oh okay i can i can do it you know um and i think and i know i know that that's helping me for my races i know in my mind like i said to myself today before i go out I'm looking forward to talking to Rich because when I'm talking to Rich, I know I've done my threshold training. So I know <laughs> it'll be over. <laughs> but when I'm running, I'm like, well, why do I worry about this? Like I actually enjoy this. You know what? Like, and I'm, I'm good at procrastinating as well. And that's the issue because I work strange hours and have most of the day to myself. I'm very good at putting on my, tra- off my training and I'll do the things I want to do and avoid. Um, so yeah, it, for me, it's just being, uh, better with myself saying, right, this is the run I'm going to do it here going to do it there doing it and and just basically organizing my day to actually make sure my training fits around me rather than leave it to the end of the day and go screw it i'm sitting on the sofa watching marvel good night you know um which i don't do by the way but <laughs> but you could I the could. uh yeah and that's
0: the tempo runs you're right because it's it's weird because if it's whatever a 10k tempo run right it's only one rep but it's still like a big daunting distance and the pace it isn't So fast that like it's not going to be hard until ideally the very end, you know. Like, and it should be something that feels comfortable, and you should be in 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 it and and kind of grooving. But there is just this mental block about one big rep, at least for me, where I'm just like, "All right, I'm in it for the long haul." When I when I get started, what what help? What's helped you kind of get around? Is it just a matter of like, okay, I need to get better at super and supers and beasts, and this is what's going to help, or is it just doing it and, and
1: so for my for my why it was actually coming back to what we said earlier about that particular race so i got out of this obstacle Went um it was a z wall actually so i'd done the first bit off the z wall and it was like a bit of a run it was a mile and a half run before the next obstacle roughly and i just got i was at the front um and i just got overtaken by four guys and that was it it was like just oh, running yeah Jetpack. and and then i real i suddenly had this realization that this is a running sport and those guys just passed me and they're all top end runners and I can't hang I cannot smash down a 6 minute mile and stick with them right now and then I had that moment I of right I'm just going to sit back do what Jack does and wait because I'm a, I'm a killer I'm the one that goes in at the last minute and just destroys everyone but well, I try um <laughs> and I did actually draw back some paces actually but I lost because I realized that I was struggling with that particular part um So, yeah, I think that to me now says, right, I've got to, I've got to be on this. I've got to, I've really got to, you know, really improve this. Otherwise I'm going to get away again and they're not going to have it, you know
0: yeah and improving like your fast pace for a longer distance it, it really is like the bread and butter you know like and there's ways to do that but like and doing 400s and 200s and you know maybe that helps your efficiency maybe that helps you get there but if your goal is a beast or a super and that's your your main race of the year like you need to spend time running at a faster pace and by doing that as tempo runs so i'm glad i'm glad that you're enjoying it
1: yeah but i think yeah and it's weird because like I say, because I've been doing a lot of slow zone two stuff, I've been taught myself not to run that fast for that long distance because it's going to be, I'm going to hurt. Muscles are going to ache. You know, I'm going to be tired.
0: Yeah. It's going to put you back.
1: It's going to put me back, but actually I've learned that it isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. But again, that's something that I've had to teach myself and, and, and have someone say to me, no, Jack, come on, just try it. And and I'm testing myself every time I go out and do a session, you know, I'm, I'm testing to see what works and what doesn't work. and, Um, like we said earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the right for the other person. Um, and I'm one of those guys that actually races a lot better than I train. Um, you know, I, everyone says to me, Jack, how do you do it? And I think I'm actually very good at just putting myself in a race pace mode and just doing it. I'm very good at just putting myself in that position and going, you know what, let's have this. Um, so my training Um, doesn't always match up to my racing.
0: I was thinking about this the other day because I'm kind of the opposite. Like I can train really, really well. And I race to my training where there's people like you who are going to race beyond their training. Do you think that's just a mental, like you're just willing to
1: hurt? Yeah, I'm very much willing to hurt. Um, and like I say, I do it because I'm very, very competitive as well. So mm. I hate losing. I'm not a very good loser. Um, not I'm not a sore loser, but... I don't like to lose when I know I should be doing better. Now yeah. I'm happy to lose, you know, like if there's someone in that course, that's amazing. Then fine hands down, but I will then go away and do my darn hardest to train or work out where I've gone wrong or how I can adapt or change to get better. So when I go back next time, I'm that little bit better. And I think that's my attitude. And I always have had that attitude. Is, is
0: the, the, the pain, the, the pain cave, the pain tolerance or the, the competitive, edge is that something that is inherent or is that something that you can that you kind of train
1: oh, that's an interesting question um it's, it's difficult to say because none of my family's that sporty so i couldn't i couldn't relate to a sporty situation um but i think definitely from my triathlon days because in triathlon when you get off the bike and onto that run section because i was never a runner And I was always normally up the top after the swim and bike because that would be my two strongest. It was a case of I've got to hold on now for 10 or 5k before the rest of the pack catch me. So I think I taught myself to just to be chased. And I was quite good at chasing um, Hmm. or being chased, if that makes sense, and not very good at chasing. And I actually more comfortable in a race if I know I'm leading. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. I know I can control the pace. Yeah. Um, and that's really weird. I mean, you must've been in a situation where you've been in the top three and you play it out in your head as you're racing. And that's can be a very dangerous thing because you can be saying to yourself, I've only got one spear or one twister left and, oh my God, I'm going to get on the podium. And sometimes you like, you just don't know, you know, what happens. You can miss a spear, you could trip up, you could, you know, anything could happen. And you, you take yourself
0: out of that mindset. And when you start thinking about the result, like you're not focusing on what the task is right in front of you, even if that's running 400 meters. If you're thinking about where the result is, like you're not where you need to be. Um, so you feel like you're good at staying in the moment?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I And I think as well, because I've taught myself to visualize as well, um, being sounds weird, but like being on the podium at the end, that's a strong thing to have. Like like I said to you about like going into the spear, I will hit this. I will Mm. hit this. Now, what's interesting is, uh, um, obviously, Luke, my other co-host of the podcast, he always misses the spear. And (laughs) it's quite interesting because we're normally quite close. Um, But he goes into that spear thinking, oh, God, it's a spear. Oh, no. You know, so again, I'm thinking, well, Luke's thinking that, and he knows that I'm quite good at the spear. So that's going to have a, you know, so it's a really weird mind. And this is the other thing to OCR that we don't even touch upon is, is the mind games within OCR as well. You know, like it is massively a massively a mind sport as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, you've got to have the legs to be there at the end, but normally the strongest person with the mind is going to win at the end because they want it more.
0: I agree. And they can they can stay in those moments and they can have confidence going through everything where like the physicality of it, it's not like triathlon. It's not like running where it's like, okay, if you can put it out, if your output is that much better than somebody else's, like they're just not even gonna be close. It's not really like that in this. It's like the, the grit and being able to, to, to be close and to mentally push through things when things go wrong um i think is it's this intangible it's really hard to measure
1: mm, no definitely <laughs>
0: um well cool dude well, I don't keep you all day um but what are some of your, some of the goals you got going on this this year i mean i know everything is uh in flux Erased. right now but, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, just a race period what were you um, thinking as far as uh before the season like if the season was to play out or from here on out what were you thinking
1: Yeah, so if the season was going to play out, we would have had our first uh, National Series race two weekends ago. So that would have been our first race. And that opened up with a beast, which would have been interesting because effectively that is my race, um, although it hasn't been last year. But um, National Series would have been my main goal, uh, leading to Europeans, which is um, Austria. Uh, No, it's not. um, Yeah, it is Austria this year, um, Opendorf. And then I would have done bit of a down thing and then straight into Dubai, um, which I think we're all planning on going, which I think will be crazy. Cause if that actually happens, I think there'll be a lot of people go to Dubai. Um Abu Dhabi. Sorry. Um, yeah. So that would have been my the two championship seasons at two. So the season and then the two championship races at the end of the year to finish off. And then maybe Greece just for a bit of sun in November, um, which is amazing race, by the way. Amazing that looks like race. so much fun. Oh, like brilliant. And like um, I said at the start of the podcast, I had I've got I've now got issues with that race because I went there injured. So I want to go back there and do so much better there and just prove myself, really prove to myself that I could better on that course.
0: So where do you think you would, fi- where do you figure you would land in the national series?
1: Ah, uh, so tough because we would have had so many people this year. I think come from different countries to race the UK series. Um, do you know what? I'm really and this is going to sound like sour grapes, but uh last year i was really outdone by the point system so i basically finished fourth in every race so consistently i was the best other than the guy that finished first in every race admittedly but i finished fourth in every <laughs> race. but i finished seventh overall which what? is exactly How is it, was it
0: weighted really heavy to top three
1: top three really heavy top three well actually top four admittedly but what happened is there's a couple of guys that got 12th or second. So they got the points for coming second, but actually got as many points of coming 12th. So the point system really screwed me over last year. Um, it didn't reward consistency, it rewarded getting in the top three. Yeah. Um, and it's my own fault. I just, I, um, probably raced too many weekends back to back, uh, focused on the, the non-series race too much, probably just for the, for the podium. Um, but yeah, this year I think would have been my. I would like to say I could get to the top three. There's no reason why yeah, I shouldn't. It
0: sounds like I was saying the same thing.
1: There's no reason why I couldn't even be winning. Um, the two there's there's two good athletes in the UK. Well, there's actually a lot more, but there's two that I'm particularly thinking about in Spartan racing, who I would say at that at that level of just like. I'm so close to you, but yet there's something so far away, and I don't quite know what it is. And I think for one of them, it's experience. One of the guys, um, just experience of life in general, in racing. He's done, he's been to the uh, you know Olympics and done world championships in canoeing and stuff like that. So just that experience. And I don't think you can. I don't think you can train that. You need to live it. Uh, I think if you've been in that situation, you've, you've raced all these years, you, you're just well grounded in in life. And I haven't got that yet. Although I am 31, I'm still quite young in the sport. Um, and I feel like I've got a long way to go yet, you know? Um, but yeah, there's no reason why I couldn't be top three,
0: uh, to, to do that.
1: Um, I definitely got, I've got everything. I've got everything to me. I, you know, I've got a great coach. I've got the training facility. I've got time, I've got no excuses. That's the worrying thing. I I should be able to smash it. And I actually really enjoy living this type of, well, I do enjoy my life. I'm very, very lucky to do a job that I'm very passionate about. And I really enjoy doing, and I just get paid for it. That's the, that's the beauty. Um, not massive amounts of money, but for me, it's never been about the money. It's I, I like my work life ratio and it allows me to run and be free and be happy and travel and and race. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've got my wife that I love the bits and I, you know, we, she comes with me to some of the races and support my biggest supporter. You know, I've got my two dogs. They support me at my races. <laughs> you know, That's how I like my life, you know? And, and I love training. I, I also like training, but I love racing more. Um, totally. What so were you most of all, Abu like oh abby dabby see this is interesting because i'd like to think that's more of a race course that us brits and europeans would be closer to you guys on because there's no bloody mountains for a start and we yep. can breathe um <laughs> i don't know it'd be interesting i think they're gonna i think they're gonna uh, they're gonna bring some nasty little things like some serious like sand climbs sand and stuff sand yeah, that no, and
0: yeah that no one's gonna be ready for yeah yeah um
1: yeah, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to it. Most of all, I'm looking forward to the experience because I think the experience of Abu Dhabi will be incredible. I think it will be such a good, uh, and this is what I was saying to Natasha, the dad on a phone call We're saying, all these races we do, um, it doesn't matter. Like Greece, it doesn't matter where I come because at the end of the day, you get back to the hotel, you go and eat olives and feta and all these lovely things and you sit sit in the sun and drink wine and enjoy it. You know, Tahoe. Oh my God, it was cold. I actually really enjoyed that cold weather, by the way. But, and the swim. I was like, I was the only one that was like, yes, yeah, let's swim in there. <laughs> I was actually um, I remember the volunteer going, Christ, he's nuts. He is. He's jumping in there singing. Um, but like at the end of Tahoe, massive pizza, you know, enjoyed being with Beautiful. all the athletes. It's
0: awesome there. Ex- yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, and, and I think I think that for me, the experience of just racing in places like that is just so special. Um, it makes me want to do it more and more and more and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, it didn't matter if I have a crap race because it's the experience, and I think you learn. I think you sometimes you have to fail to to improve and get better, and and I'm happy to fail as long as I improve. Got to go for Uh, it. It's better
0: than not trying. It's better. It really is than wondering. At least you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, well, cool, dude. You know, I really appreciate you jumping on. I Love this conversation. Really, really good, energetic, really positive. Um, some great stuff coming out of this. So, uh, where can we find you on as far as social? And tell us a little bit
1: more about OCR Audio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, obviously, uh, Jack Carpenter Coaching on Instagram. Um, which I've just started, actually. It was Jumping Jacked Flash because I'm a massive Rolling Stones fan. Uh, That's where that came from. Um, But I realized that I've got so many things going on. No one really knew who I was. And this is why I'm focusing now more on the coaching. So obviously I am a coach. I do coaching. Um, I also own Field Fit, which is a training facility in England, Suffolk, UK, um, where we have all obstacles and we do boot camps and training. And then obviously a co-host of OCR Audio. um, That is ocr underscore audio um and we just chat to basically anyone and everyone athlete based um and just yeah just get the good stuff we 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 never thought we'd go 100 episodes that's for sure it's awesome friday we hit 100 episodes um yeah we just we're just amazed really and and the takeoff it's had and and we've met some amazing people along the way and that's the biggest thing for me like you know, like I said, the call we had Friday, we had sixteen athletes, and you know, to have Ryan, uh, Lindsay, Nicole, Aaron, and Hosek, Vijay Jones, all these people on the call, and they're just they're on a call to talk to us, which is even weirder. Um, you know, and they're just they and and you realise when you talk to these guys, they are just down to earth, normal people like me and you. They, you know, they're yes, okay, they're special in the sense of they race race really fast, but in general you know, they're, they're happy to share experiences and what they learn and, and yeah, it's a great community, the OCR community, definitely for sure. Um, it, one of the best I've been, been involved with, with all sports I've been in actually. Um, yeah, it's just a massive buzz and I really hope the sport goes places. Um, well, I've, I've invested most of my life in it. yeah I think about yeah. that too, I was like, man, I hope, hope they make it through this. That would suck. <laughs> <laughs> I um i think we've had it we've had issues in england but we're, we're getting back on track now and um yeah so all the best for ocr really um
0: fingers crossed man. She, she keep growing <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> That's like they better
0: keep going um well cool dude yeah once you sign off we'll, we'll stay this will stay on so uh just say goodbye to the people thanks for listening all the way to the end we appreciate you this is rich signing off jack thanks for having it thanks for coming on man No worries. Thank you very much, Rich. Appreciate that.